Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Yes, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Full 10 Yards NFL podcast. My name is Josh Henwood and I'm subbing in for your usual flavour of the week, Sean Blundell today, uh, but still joined by the ever-present, ever-amazing Steetoff. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, good. It's good. It's going to be interesting to have a, just a duo this week or a man down, but we, we soldier on. We soldier on. Uh, we hit the South today. So we hit the uh, the NFC uh, South uh, is the first episode. So it's going to be good to talk about the uh, the division that held last year's Super Bowl winners. So yeah, it should be a good one. God, don't give the whole episode away. We won't have anything else to talk oh, about for the next half hour. Oh, but before we carry on... But before we carry on, I have to bring it to this side of the pond. Are you still reeling from Saturday's defeat to Aston Villa as a Newcastle United fan? <laughs> Sean made sure I said. Sean ha- made sure I said I was going to come in my Villa top, but I thought not to because you wouldn't even have taken part. Oh, I, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on my feelings towards Steve Bruce, to be honest. But it's just lackluster. Oh. I don't, I don't want to watch anymore. I put the game on, and we started good in the first, well, in the first or ten minutes. So, and after that, it was just all downhill. Just another typical Steve Bruce performance. I've seen that performance like thirty times. <sighs> just no belief, no effort. We didn't even challenge the keeper. What's the point? Throw cabbages on the pitch, mate. That's how you get that sorted. Yeah, well, yeah, Steve Bruce isn't going anywhere. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) We digress, though, because like you say, we could easily talk for a good hour or so on that. But no, we promise you NFC South previews. Uh, We'll do this in the uh, same fashion that you've come to know and love from uh, from Sean's house. And we'll go through the teams in order of which is actually a bit of a troubling order, considering that the Super Bowl champs are not at the top of the list. So uh, just to give you a reminder, if you need it, for how the standings finish. New Orleans finished as the NFC South winners on 12 and 4. Tampa Bay then on 11 and 5, the Carolina Panthers at 5 and 11, and the relatively unlucky Atlanta Falcons, considering some of their fourth quarter uh, mishaps, finishing at 4 and 12. So uh, let's, uh, let's get the ball rolling uh, in the newly christened Caesars Superdome. I quite like that one compared to Mercedes-Benz. It's got a bit more of a ring to it. I forgot that uh, they've changed the name of the Superdome. It's Caesars now, isn't it? It is indeed. That was a uh, that was a last-minute edit to the old guide, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, an NFL Now pop-up came up. It's like, now at the Caesars Superdome. It's like, oh, I mean, <laughs> love the branding, but also, why now? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, give us your... Um, Give us your rundown on uh, on New Orleans. What what's the general vibe like post Breeze? Of course, the Breezes is gone. 
Drew Brees has indeed left the building. It's hard to believe that he's retired and what a career he had. Um, but we well, we don't want to concentrate on Brees too much because, as you said, he is gone. He's no longer a quarterback for the Saints and they've got to move on without him. Um, and there's there's one of two roads and it depends what side <laughs> of the dice do you fall on. You know, Are you a, a Jamie Swinston guy or are you a Taysom Hill guy? And I think from my perspective, Taysom Hill has always just been that gadget player he's not a true quarterback he's not someone who is going to lead you to a sort of a 10 and 7 season I think he's he's going to come in and he might play a few snaps here and there and he might come into some trick plays and that sort of thing but I don't think he's a starting quarterback I mean I'm not saying that Jimmy Swinston is the next Tom Brady but you know I think it's Winston's job to lose if you ask me I think if you look at Winston the last time he was a starting quarterback which was 2019 in, in Tampa um, he was second in the league in in touchdowns, touchdown passes. Like you know, he, he he's obviously is a decent caliber quarterback. Obviously, maybe we'll just brush it under the rug that he also led the lead in interceptions and had thirty, thirty three touchdowns, thirty interceptions. Let's just bring that up because that's a wonderful statistic. I remember when he hit the thirtieth interception, Twitter went wild. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's obviously got that problem. But you know, a lot of people have said that it was a lot to do with Bruce Arians. Uh, offense and how they like to air it out down the field and a lot of that uh, contributed towards his problems but you can only create so many sort of excuses for a guy that throws 30 interceptions that's so many yeah Um, Um, I mean you can't you can't look past the fact that Bruce Arians offenses have worked post Winston you know, Tom Brady has thrown, what, 40 TDs last year, was it? And, you know, that was only 12 interceptions in that. Like, yes, I think you are going to have more interceptions with an Arians offense and with an air it out offense, mostly because you p- apply more risk. But Winston was just giving it out for fun towards the end of the year. It was actually almost like a milestone goal of his to have the 30 and 30. It almost looked like he was trying to get it, didn't it? Like it yeah. looked like he was trying to find the interception so he could have that tag. And I mean, yeah. he's got another job, and I think I think he will do well this season. I mean, that that season in Tampa, he threw for over five thousand yards. You know, that's quite <laughs> impressive. That's a lot it of is. yards, and and it, I mean that probably tells from the Aryan style offense. But I think with with New Orleans, the, the, the strength in New Orleans is their offensive line. Like they, mm. they have arguably the best offensive line in the league, have done for several years. They've got a lot of strength in that unit. And if they can help keep him upright and let him work through his reads, then I think he, he's he's potentially going to be have a decent season. Now, I think there will be some drop-off. I mean, some, probably a lot drop-off. You know, the, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game leaves the building. You don't just keep on as you were. You know, something's going to change. Something's going to give. Um and obviously, there's also questions about uh, the uh, the people he's going to be throwing it to as well. And, well, exactly. And... and that was going to be my next question. You know, if you've got a quarterback that can air it out, who are you going to air it out to? And New Orleans definitely has some questions in that regard. Exactly. And like, obviously, you know, there's the there's the Michael Thomas question, which we'll come on to. You know, you look at you look down the depth chart, the rest of their receiving options, Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, Ty Montgomery, you know, um, Jared Cook, the tight ends out the door. He's not there anymore. Um, they've got uh, Adam Troutman at tight end, Nick Van at backup tight end. You know, there's not there's not you don't look down that roster and think, you know, there's a there's some skill guys, some some big name guys. It's not like a Tampa wide receiver room type situation or, or Dallas's wide receiver room where you there's immediately three names where you think, yeah, that's, you know, that he's going to have some serious help there. Um, and, and how long's Thomas out for? How is, is it six weeks? Cause he's starting on 
It's a minimum. So it's a minimum of six to seven weeks. I think it's week seven. He's eligible. Um, But but eligible is just a word. You know, you you can you can have setbacks. He might just not want to. Hell, he might get surgery on something (laughs) else. You know, we we don't know as to as to what his motivations are at this point. You know, maybe he just never wants to wear a New Orleans Saints shirt ever again. You don't know with him at the moment, and we're not getting answers. That's the main problem. It's, it feels like such a shame as well because he's obviously such a talented player and you know as, as fans of the NFL all we want is to see the best players out there on the field making these yeah. plays every week you know we only get the NFL for, for the best part of three months of the year so when it's here we want to see these talented players out there making these ridiculous players and the fact that he's going to be out for six weeks and then he seems to be locking horns with Sean Payton and, and Saints ownership you know it would not surprise me if he has one more season in New Orleans and then he's out the door. I think I think it it seems to be heading that way. Like, you know, the noise is obviously we don't know and, and they could you know, he could come back in week seven and be lights out and then you know, take New Orleans to the postseason, then it's all just forgotten about and, and they you know, they build around him. I don't know. But also it could very much not be that and they might get him out the door and he might not be in the building in, in next season and and then where do New Orleans go without a without that sort of star receiver? I mean we haven't even mentioned Alvin Kamara yet, you know, one of the best running backs in the games, who's sort of proper dual threat running back. He was rewarded with yeah. that big contract in the middle of last season. So their running game is is solid. Um, you know, they've got good backup as well in Latavius Murray. Um and they picked up Devonta Freeman as well, didn't they? So they've got yeah. some good running options. Their running attack's gonna be good. Um well that kind of uh, tells you everything about how they're gonna play next season, I think. I think that absolutely. this season coming, it's gonna be all on the ground. They're gonna turn Kamara into a dual threat a lot more. But they're also going, you know, so we already know that he's good in the backfield collecting passes and, you know, getting yards after the catch. I think that he's going to have to become a lot more about yeah. his ground game because that, that yeah. has been something that has been brought up in the past. The fact that Alvin Kamara doesn't doesn't grind out the hard yards down the middle enough. And I think that he's going to be forced into it with the lack of, options out wide and I think it's going to the, the O-line like you mentioned they they better be one of the best uh, groups in the league because they're going to have yeah. to be they're going to have to create those gaps and get the running lanes open you know yeah, yeah absolutely I think one of the one of the things to sort of finish on, on New Orleans that goes their way is their schedule uh, you look at their schedule they open the season at, um, at home to Green Bay obviously that's a huge huge game and you know most will probably pencil that in as a Green Bay win but then they've got Carolina New England, New York Giants, and Washington. So, and then they have an early bye week, week six. So, before the, that bye, you know, for a Saints team, obviously a Drew Brees led Saints, Saints team, you'd look at that and think they should be going four and one or five and all. Obviously, a Winston or, or, um, uh, a Jimmy Winston led team is, is potentially could be three and two or two and three, but that's not the worst schedule to start. And then you have no. by week six and week seven, Michael Thomas comes back. So, you know, I, I don't want to suggest that Saint, the Saints are going to blow away the, uh, uh, the NFC South again, because I certainly don't think they are. Um, but, you know, the schedule could be worse going into that bye week, I think. It could, it could. How many wins do you reckon for New Orleans this year? Uh, I'm overly critical. Mm, yeah, I, I, do you know what? I, I think so. Like, you know, it, it was it was put to me a, f- a few weeks back that, you know, um, Drew Brees is obviously the type of player like, you know, like Tom Brady, like um, 
Aaron Rodgers, those like Russell Wilson, those type of players that will drag a team through a game and win them a game. You know, he he's the type of player that would would win them that game due to his play. I don't think Winston's that. I don't think he's the yeah. type of player that can do that. And so because of that, they will lose games that they otherwise would have won. So, That's you know, they fail. went 12 and they went 12 and four last year. You know, you make this year's equivalent was like 12 and five. So maybe take off a couple of wins, take off maybe three wins, you know, but then very quickly you become nine and eight. And that's like a 500 record. And, yeah. But I, I definitely could see it. And, and do you know what? I think, you know, spoilers for the end of the podcast, but I think obviously, I think we all agree that Tampa will probably win the division. But after that, it, it could be any one of the three. It, I think it really could be any one of the three in second, third and fourth. Right, you heard it first there. I, uh, I'm i not too <laughs> confident on the other two, but we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, I've pretty much got the same sort of reckoning as you. I've got them down as eight and a half. You know, I, I fully expect them to be five, one, five or four, eight, seven or whatever the hell 500 seasons actually are. Let's just call it eight, eight, and one, and just give them a five hundred season. Um, so uh, yeah, who are your? We've done this every week. We'll continue to do it until all the divisions are done. Who is your player to watch out for, and which one is rather warm on the hot seat? I think to watch out for. Um, it's, there's a couple of players that you could pick. You know, you could you could go to. Um, Obviously, it's difficult to say watch out for a guy that's just signed a giant contract like Alvin Kamara. Um, you could certainly say someone like Marshawn Lattimore as well. Like he's such a good coverage guy on the defense. We barely even mentioned their defense. Um, but you know, we could potentially say you know uh, Quan Alexander. I think that was a good smart pickup in the linebacker room. Um, I think he's obviously bounced around a couple of teams over the last um, uh, over the last couple of years. He obviously was in he was in. Um, Tampa for a while uh, went up to San Francisco and I think he's you know he's he's obviously had a few injury problems over the last few seasons but I think if he can have a good season that, that Saints defense is good we have, we've barely talked about it but it's, it is a good yeah. unit we've barely talked about it because you know it's not exactly a sexy defense but it is reliable you know you can rely on them to get to keep teams to around 20 points a game without too much issue it's just as to whether or it's the fact that the offense has the questions. That's why we've not really dedicated any time to it because yeah. you can you can rely on that defense to be okay and it not to be full of drama. I think it's like it's it's one of those defenses where they will put the offense in enough positions to win the game. They will yeah. they will give the ball back to Winston or Hill in in as many games as they can, saying right if you can do this and do that, you'll win because we've held up our end of the deal, sort of thing. They're not yeah. like a you know like a, a for example like a Dallas defense where they're just saying well as long as the, the offense can put up forty points, then we should be all right. We might squeak it in. You know the Saints defense is a bit more solid than that, and I think they're a good unit. So. Yeah, and in terms of sort of, in terms of sort of on the hot seat, can we can we talk about anyone other than Thomas? Like, I don't think we, we can. I, I mean, uh, th- th- there's no way we can, of which probably means that we don't need to spend too much time on it. But no. the man has just typified a he he has absolutely typified complete dysfunction for the Saints through no fault of the Saints by the looks of it. It just seems to be. A, a personal implosion. Yeah. I do have another one though, if you want to hear it. Go on, then. Taysom Hill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's it's... not going to have. He's not going to have a better chance to be the franchise guy for this team. He's got to beat out a guy that threw thirty interceptions the last time that he was given the keys to a franchise. Yeah. 
and he has to prove he's not a gadget guy whereas from all the musings of which you hear from camp pre-season etc he's just going to be the gadget guy so yeah. you know do, do you then put him in as you know a, a true tight end at some point and just go the experiment is dead long live the experiment yeah i, I completely understand and, and and how long do they keep going with him before they sort of cut ties and because the thing is as well, if you're another quarterback and you see the New Orleans team and, and, you know, if let's say they want to sign you on as a free agent or they want to trade for, you know, like a big name guy, whoever it may be, you look at that roster and say, what's Taysom Hill's position? Is he going to be competing for my job? Like, is he going to be taking snaps away from me? Like, is he, is he your guy that you want, but you just want someone to plug the hole? Like, you know, his his role in the offense and role in the team is so questionable. It's like, do they don't make a decision? Like, is it him or is it not? And I think we probably will have an answer to that by the end of the season. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. And I think he will become more just of a gadget guy. I don't think he's going to be, you know, like the, the starting quarterback. I'd be very, very surprised if he walks out for the first offensive snap on week one. Um, I'd be very surprised. But yeah, I think that's another, another good shout. Yeah, there, there was just one thing, and this will be the last thing before we wrap up the Saints. I was just looking at his contract extension, forgetting the fact that the Saints mm. made sure that he got a contract extension, and the numbers are staggering. Four years for $140 million. Now, that for a guy that hasn't proved that he's your QB1 is... That, that's crushing. And, and this, I feel like the New Orleans front office just loves to have their hands tight behind their back. You know, you, you've had to restructure Thomas in order to get some cap room, you know, essentially to pay this guy. And this guy might not even be out there with your starters. It, it's mind boggling. And this is why they're struggling so much with, with you know, they haven't really been too active in the in free agency because they've, you know, they've got such a cap hole that they're in. They're previous to the restructure of Thomas, and I think they made a couple of other little moves. They, I think they were bottom of cap space before, I think, before the, um, uh, before uh, the, uh, new league year started. I think they were one of the one of the worst positions because obviously Breeze has retired. So it's not like. Um, uh, New England, where they, where when Brady left, they had all this space, and now look what they've done now. You know, the Saints are going to be taking a while to recover from this, from this cap hole that they're in. Yeah, definitely an interesting one to watch out for the next several years until we can finally stop seeing Hill being paid money for sitting on a bench. Right, moving swiftly on to second place in the NFC South, South, but not in our hearts, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They finished on 11 and 5, beat the New Orleans Saints, of course, uh, 30 to 20, I believe it was, in the divisional matchup, of which was a shock to everyone, including me having to listen to my girlfriend celebrate about the fact that I was wrong, wrong, so terribly wrong, um, while saying there's no way that they will beat the Saints. And there's definitely no way that if they did beat the Saints, they'd beat the Packers. But enough about my domestic issues. Um, we're here to talk about the Bucks. Um, and I've got to say, this is probably going to be the quickest preview we do all year because nothing's changed. Nothing's changed at all. They've got all the same starters. You know, the vibe is essentially there. Tam Tampa Bay are now going to be in the second year with Tom Brady with the offense fully loaded. The defense is in the same position now. Um, they got better as the season rolled on. 
which tells me quite simply that they are going to be in fine fighting form for week one. Um, the only weakness that I see is their running attack. You know, they're the fifth worst running attack, but who the hell cares when you're A, in a Bruce Arians air it out at all costs, no one wants to see anyone run kind of offense. Uh, you got the second best passing offense for that. You've got Tom freaking Brady. Did I not mention that already? Um, you know, he had 42 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Oh, and by the way, just to cap it off, you got the eighth best defense. There's your, there's your preview in a minute and a half, Bucks fans. I don't think I can actually say too much more than that because I don't know where to begin. You, you've no, the, the front office has played a blinder. It must be so nice to play in Tampa Bay. I've heard that the place is terrible, but, you know, apparently everyone wants to stay there. So, uh, yeah, hats off, guys. Um, enjoy the potential to run it back because that would be quite a story. Steve, please take, give, give me something. Give me something to make this somewhat entertaining. Oh. Don't worry, I'll I'll, I'll pour some pour some water on the fire. Um, Good man, please do. I think oh, I would say this. I think it's the first time, or one of the first times in the Super Bowl era, that a team has brought back all twenty-two starters from winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think it's because I think Kansas I think City it is. brought back I think nineteen. That's what I heard as well. Yeah, yeah. I think Kansas City brought back nineteen. So that this is it's impressive. Like usually, someone goes off and signs a massive contract elsewhere because the team can't afford to pay them. So it's it's miraculous that they've managed to keep hold of everyone. And like you say, they're obviously stacked. They've got a great roster. But let's let's just scale it back a bit. Like obviously, you know, they they carried that momentum into last season, into the end of last season. They picked up form just as they needed to, and they won their last eight games, including postseason but in going into their week 13 by week they were seven and five yeah let's not were. forget that they were seven and five um they lost on the bounce to the rams and the chiefs obviously two tough opponents but they lost both on the bounce and then they were close to being seven and six and at seven and six you know that's they're almost at 500 there and that's not so much not so rosy um and then they 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 put up they lost conceded 27 points to the falcons the 31 27 that game um so you know the, it wasn't all rosy it wasn't like they were blowing away teams and i remember like you know um as the season went on i, I was really cool on the on the books because i just thought no nah, there's no way there's no way he does it again there's no way they're that good like they're obviously you know, if they if they were eleven and two or eleven and three, and and you know, and and steamrolling the league, I'd be sort of thinking, oh god, you know, this is a tough team. Watch out! But they just didn't, and they picked up form at the right time. But that I, I never until it got to the poor season, and they they beat the Saints. I thought, oh, actually, you know, maybe they could do it because I, I I even believed that the Packers would beat them, and they were they were close to. You know, obviously we all remember yeah. what happened with the with the uh, field goal and, and all that sort of stuff with the yeah, Packers. Aaron Rodgers I thought, chokes playoff games, but yeah, continue. <laughs> I thought the Packers would beat them, and they didn't. And um, yeah, and then and then they the defense absolutely shut down the Chiefs. But um, you you kind of you you can't help but look at Tom Brady and think surely sometime soon his arm's going to go or his, or his, he's just going to fall off a cliff. The guy's, what, 44 now? Um, is he 44 or 45, I think? And, like, no one... Like, I don't know if anyone in the history of the NFL has played this long. Certainly not the level he's played. So He's definitely the oldest quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And, obviously, we are in this unprecedented era where he's won seven rings. And we probably won't ever see that again. I don't think we'll ever see another player win seven mm. rings. Um 
So obviously, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. I, I, I personally would be glad to see the back of him because I'd rather someone else starts winning the Super Bowl. But also, one last thing to mention before we do move on is um, no team has repeated Super Bowl wins since the Patriots did it in 03 or 04. So we are closing in on 20 years since a team has repeated Super Bowl wins. So it's obviously very, very difficult to do. But given that they've brought back 22 starters, you'd say that the books are probably in the best position to do it than anyone ever has in the last 20 years. Right. Let's just add some let's just add some fact checking to Steve's remarks there. So Tom Brady, 44. Yes, he turned 44 a of 20 days ago, um, 3rd of August. So, uh, yeah, 44. Um, as to your point about re- repeating Super Bowls, yep, yeah, 0304 Patriots. But guess who was the quarterback to do that? That's right, Tom Brady. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, he, he's yeah, going to the, the 04 one was against the Eagles, which is what got me into the NFL. So, I remember it vividly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, getting into the NFL with a Super Bowl loss. I don't know what a Super oh, no. Bowl is, of course, being a Browns fan. I, I just <laughs> hear it's a great party. I, I convinced the missus <laughs> to stay up once a year till four, four o'clock in the morning, and she uh, and she always falls asleep right around one thirty. So uh, pretty much uh, just a case of enjoy the halftime show for me. Um, yeah, and then for me, it's bringing everyone back. It's bringing everyone back, yeah. and the fact that they got better after the bye. So getting better after the bye is huge. I think beating New Orleans showed me that they were different gravy in the second half of the season because all New yeah. Orleans had their number every time. Yeah. So yeah, when, you know, when they met, there. when, when they met uh, in the regular season, obviously Saints won the opening game 34, 23, but when they met again um, at Tampa in week nine, uh, the Saints only allowed uh, three points. They only yeah. scored three points against the Saints that game. The Saints scored 38. So, yeah, you're right. Like, they had their number, and then all of a sudden in the postseason, they won 30-20. So, yeah. And, and and obviously, the NFC is probably weaker this year. You know, there's no Drew Brees. Um, you know, there's questions in with Aaron Rodgers, and he's only getting older. And, you know, there's new quarterbacks all over the league. The NFC East is still a dumpster fire. And, and NFC West is, you know, Seattle's still as strong as they used to be. New quarterback in in LA, you know, there's there's questions all over the NFC East, so they're in a really strong position to get themselves to the Super Bowl. With obviously, you know, this NFL, it's hard to win any game in the NFL, but within reason, given how good this team is, they're in a really strong position to get themselves to the Super Bowl without really facing what you would call like a really tough opponent. That that toughest matchup this might be sound quite obvious to say but their toughest matchup will be in the super bowl sometimes a team's toughest matchup on the way to the super bowl is an is a is a conference opponent because the best team yeah. is against them in the conference you know what i mean whereas yeah. oh, i think yeah, definitely. they the tampa is the best team in the NFC, nfc i don't think many people would argue that no i mean you've got green again it's tampa green bay for me nfc yeah yeah. And I, after seeing the way that Green Bay threw it away last time, until they prove otherwise, Tampa are the cream of the NFC. And then I yeah. think that after the Packers, there's a huge drop. Yeah, yeah. You, so, you, you, like, you. like you say, realistically, their toughest opponent is going to be in the Super Bowl. It, if they yeah. get there, we'll put that asterisk. Of course, in there. of course, of course. 
So this was my one to give the players for to watching on the hot seat. Um, as you can see, with them being a Super Bowl uh, champion with all their players coming back, it's pretty difficult to actually do this one because who's there to watch and on the hot seat from that? But I'm going to give it a go. Um, to watch, I mean, this probably isn't one to really watch out for this year or maybe even next year, but I just really found Kyle Trask a really interesting draft pick as the, you know, the quarterback elect of the future after Tom Brady. You know, um, I keep hearing that Tom Brady is just going to keep around like the Queen is with uh, Prince Charles until uh, until Charles goes first. It'll be like until until his son is able to be eligible for the draft, Tom Brady will just keep in there. But uh, no, I find Kyle Trask a really interesting pick. People raved about it being actually a pretty good value pick, um, you know, QB wise as someone who can learn and develop and, you know, learning and developing from Brady. That's just going to be something which I think is going to be, you know, really interesting to watch for the next year or two. Uh, might yeah, only be seats and stuff, but yeah, exactly. And he, but he's in such a good position. Like, imagine being able to come into that team, know that you're not going to play a snap unless there's some major concerns because Blaine Gabbert's ahead of him in the pecking order as well. So, yeah. unless there's some major injuries, you're not going to play a snap, but you get to sit back and learn from the greatest player to ever play the game. You know, like you get to sit back and watch him and learn from him and 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 copy him and, and do everything from him. And, you know, and Bruce Arians, a, a great head coach yeah. as well. So, yeah, he's in a real, real good situation. And yeah, like, I, like, I agree with you. I, I love the pick at the time as well. Yeah, I think as well, it's going to help where, you know, Tom Brady's not going to be threatened by him. No. You know, you look at Jimmy G in New England, for example, and at the time, Jimmy G was in a great situation. It's the fact that they probably put him in too early, almost, as someone that, you know, would put question marks around Brady. But that too early was seen as standard by our, yeah. by our metrics at the time. So, um, yeah, I think that... Uh, I think that there is interesting stuff from him. And on the hot seat, now I really had to dig. I went into our guide and I really dig. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting, the uh, the cornerback, he allowed 69% of passes targeted at him to um, end up being caught. He's going to have to tighten that up. I mean, the defense is too good to have a cornerback with those kind of stats. And he's going to end up just diving down the depth chart if he continues with that. I think what's what's interesting about uh, Tampa's defense is that obviously their front four are exceptional. You know, yeah. uh, um, you know Jason Pierre-Paul, Damagon Suvitavir, obviously you know, great pass rushers, obviously exceptional talents. And then their linebacker room is probably the best in the NFL. You know, they managed yeah. to keep hold of Devin White, Levante David, and Shaq Barrett, and they managed to pay. Uh, some of them as well. So, like, their front seven is is exceptional. It probably is one of, if not the best, in the NFL. But, like, you look at their secondary, and that's definitely where they can be got at. Like, if teams are going to beat them, that's where can where they can be got at. Like, and you look at, obviously, New Orleans, but 34 points up against them and 38 points up against them. The Rams, 27. The Chiefs, 27. The Falcons, but 27, up twice in Week 15 and Week 17. You know, so obviously they're not they're not giant scores. They're not enormous scores. They're, I mean, Justin Herbert and the Chargers put 31 points up against them in, in Week 4. Um, you know, so they're not they're not 
giant scores, but they can be got out through the air. So I think if you, and obviously, you know, we're talking about the best team in the NFL. So, you know, it, obviously all of this is within reason. It's with a big giant pinch of salt because I'm not yeah. suggesting that they're going to start giving up 40 points again. But if you're going to get at them, that's probably the way you do it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that's enough of a Tampa Bay loving. Uh, I, I did promise, uh, I did promise the missus that it would be a bit of a loving. So uh, hopefully she'll uh, she'll end up listening to it just for that. Uh, let's move on to our friends in Carolina. So Carolina, obviously, uh, uh, less than ideal start to the Matt Rawl era with uh, McCaffrey going down as early as he did last year, which definitely didn't help matters. Five and 11 on the season. Steve, you've got the lowdown for us. Take it away, bud. Yeah, so Carolina is a really interesting one because I, I, for one, I'm a massive fan of the Matt Rule hire. I think he's a really talented coach. I think he's got a you lot of promise, uh, and I think I think he's I think he's going to be a good head coach. But he's he needs time, and obviously, you know that that roster's being built, and and it, I thought I found the Donald trade interesting because. He's, he obviously was, you know, he, I think he was set up to fail in New York and I don't think he was ever going to be a successful quarterback in New York. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever going to be a successful quarterback in New York. That's a different <laughs> conversation. Um, but he's obviously... Yeah, Danny Dimes to, is doing brilliantly. <laughs> he's obviously set up to fail in New York. So he's come to to Carolina. And I just, like, if, if you put Teddy Bridgewater's stats up and then you put Sam Darnold's stats up and they're just much of a muchness aren't they they're just very yeah. sort of similar players neither of them really answers the question um you know it, neither of them really you don't you don't look at them and say yeah that's our starter for the next five or ten years um and whilst i think he plugs a hole for another season or two i think he'll be the starter this year and he'll probably be the starter next year but it would not surprise me if Pat the panthers are in for a either a, a, a young first round quarterback pick like you know like Jacksonville and New York Jets have just picked up, or if they go after, you know, a, a quarterback you know, like a, a dare I say a Rogers or a or a Wilson or any one of those guys that might be on the block, you know, you. But then, like, you think of someone like maybe that might be on the trade block next year, someone like maybe Jimmy G. But then he's similar, isn't he? Like, it just, does yeah. he really answer the question? And also, he's so injury prone. He's had so many injury problems. That's probably a step back. So, I Darnold, I think answers the question, and also I think we've got to give him a bit give. Jews like he's only 24 he's still really young he's been in the NFL for three years he's only 24 um and he could have a breakout year and if he does then that great because I think the one thing that um the Panthers have got going for them this season is their their receivers and their and their, their skill position group like you know Robbie Anderson they're, they're, they're apparently in talks as a with a um uh, an extension for him um so he you know he looks like a, a, a sort of a true number one dj moore is a, obviously a really in exciting talent and he looks like a, a, a real good player that they can sort of build their attack around and, you know they picked up Ter- terrence marshall jr from lsu who's a good player um and obviously they've got christian mccaffrey we've not even mentioned yet you know the guy led the he had a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving was the only player to do it last year and i think will probably be the only player to do it this year as well um, you know, I think obviously an exceptional talent is one of the best rushers in the league if he can stay healthy, which you know is, is seems to be the, the his career as, as in, in itself as a running back, and it seems to be the problem with with most running backs. Um, 
I think Carolina is, is is one of those teams that are obviously still in a rebuild and you know they they made some interesting signings. I love the Jeremy Chin pickup last year. He's obviously been a, a hell of a player on the defense and they've picked up JC Horn to fill that um that cornerback. Uh, and also they signed Hassan Reddick in the offseason as well. So they've got you know they've picked up some pieces on defense and they're obviously working towards a goal, but you know, they're still that team that's gonna be sort of five six seven wins you know they're, they're going to have a, probably a losing record and it's going to be a, probably another long year for panthers fans but they are trending in the right direction absolutely yeah i think like you say a lot is gambled upon whether or not darnold is the the guy at at, at court but whether or not it was just a case of he was in a bad situation because he was in a bad Bad situation with the Jets. It's not like they ever really improved his situation. I mean, if you look at, you know, first and second picks in the draft for when Darnold was selected, you know, you got Mayfield versus Darnold. And when you see that the Browns, you know, did their best to give him the best situation possible, you know, at wide receiver and at offensive line, that is massively different to what happened with the Jets. Yeah, pretty much under uh, the double thousand yard. joined only two others to do it, Roger Craig and Marshall Falk. And if you look at his rushing and receiving yards, they are actually remarkably similar to each other. Um, just over three grand on the uh, on the ground and two thousand six hundred and seventy two in the air. So, you know, it's uh, it's definitely something uh, to be marvelled at. And I think that he, you know, he is definitely a guy that uh, you know can get you out of a jam quite quickly and could be good for Darnold as well to have that outlet. Yeah, you know, I think every QB needs an outlet. Yeah, and, and as well with McCaffrey as well, he's only 25. He's only just turned 25 recently, so he's still young as well. So, you know, this 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 Carolina team is certainly building for the future. And if they, you know, if, if they keep him around for, for several more years, obviously he's got that um, he's got that uh, big contract now, and um, they, they seem to be building a bit of an offensive attack around him. And if they can answer the quarterback question, I don't see why why Carolina can't be challenging for the nfc south in a few years time you know not not immediately but if they can answer the quarterback question and obviously you know we talk about that a lot but you know at the end of the day it's the most important position on the field we talk about the quarterbacks a lot and if they can if if it is sam donald or whoever it may be if they can get that guy that answers the question i think they're whoever it may be is ready to go is ready because the, the, i think the roster is getting better obviously it still needs work i'm not suggesting they're a super bowl contender next year if they get the right quarterback <laughs> you know but it's certainly getting better and i think they're certainly on the right track um and and it just needs a few more few more years work yeah so considering your receiver loving just have you got a receiver as your one to watch I think it's difficult to not look at uh, DJ Moore. Like yeah. he 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 looks like such a talent, and you know they they obviously want to uh, want to start building around him. They lost Curtis Samuel in the off season; he went off to to Washington, so they've um, he's one of the players that they're going to start building around. And he's had, he's 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 just gone strength to strength since he signed in Carolina in twenty eighteen. He had seven hundred eighty eight yards in his first season. Um, 11.75 in his second and 11.93 in his third. And he's, he, you know, and in the, in the um, 
last two seasons, he's missed a game in each season as well. So he's got almost 1,200 yards in both seasons, just 15 games. So he's obviously a, a, a talent. He's um, uh, he's he had four touchdowns in each of his last two seasons as well. So I think he's definitely one to watch. And again, he's only he's only 24. So I think he's a talented player. And um, him, uh, Robbie Anderson, and Terrace Marshall, I think he's going to be a, a sort of a fierce wide receiver room for for the Panthers. Um, yeah. In terms of hot seat. Um, it's always difficult to pick someone in the hot seat for a team that's sort of going through a rebuild because there's no expectations. So it's difficult to say, well, you're in the hot seat. Well, wh- how? Because no one's expecting anything of me. So well, exactly, it's, yeah. It's sort of difficult, isn't it? But I would say that, um, and I, I think I think uh, Sean alluded to this earlier in the week, in that it, it's got to be the, probably their offensive line. You know, they're, they're, they... They in their with their first round pick. They they selected an offensive lineman number seven, um, you know the one that uh, Cincinnati uh, passed on. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I think they, you know, they. Um, oh, sorry, no, they signed JC Horn. Sorry, no, I'm getting confused. Sorry, they signed JC Horn yeah, in the first round. Yeah, sorry, that, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the Detroit Lions. Apologies, sorry, no, they signed JC Horn. So, but even still, different regardless blue. of different, that, blue. different blue, I'm getting confused. Regardless of that, they did pick up. Uh, Cameron Irving to start left tackle, didn't they? In you know, they did, and that's uh, quite puzzling. I know all about Cam Irving as uh, as, <laughs> as a left tackle, and uh, it's going to be interesting to say the least. I apologise in advance, Panthers fans, because if that is the person that you're having at left tackle, your left tackle is going to be a little bit unprotected, and that with Darnold having to try and find his rhythm. Yeah, questions abound. And with Christian McCaffrey being, you know, he's he picked up, he's starting to pick up some injuries, and he's, you know, he's he's missed some time over the last few seasons. If they're not opening lanes for him, and if he's expected to to be, you know, to carry the ball and to be as as um, as involved as he is, he missed 13 games last year due to that injury. Um, you know, is that going to happen again? If they can't protect him and they can't open lanes for him, and if he's just going to get swallowed by every defense he faces. You know, it's, it, that's going to be a, a very short season for Mr. McCaffrey. It is, yeah. Do you still start it? Do, do you still draft him number one overall in a fantasy team, though? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, obviously his 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 dual threat, like thousand yards on each, is obviously unparalleled, and you know he's gonna he's gonna do that regularly. Um, and if he stays healthy, he's probably he he should probably do that again this year. But they've. I think their attacks diversified a bit now and they've got some more wide receiver help now. And, and so, but they've got a new quarterback, a weak offensive line, you know, like you say, that might be a bit of a, you know, if they run the RPO a lot and just dump it off to McCaffrey every time, or just, he gets them out on a slant. Yeah. Uh, possibly, quite possibly. It's all right. It's only because I've done it in a dynasty league. So, uh, you know, just keeping those fingers crossed. Uh, and then one more before we move on to our uh, unlucky final team. How many wins do you reckon for the Panthers this year, considering that you're saying that they will threaten the mighty Caesar Thunderdome New Orleans Saints? Well, I think they'd threaten the Saints because I don't think the Saints will be as good as they were. Like, you know, if, if, if the Saints end up at like, I don't know, if they, if they collapse and they've got no receivers and they end up at like 7 and 10... I don't think it's, you know, you look at those that, you know, Donald McCaffrey, Moore, uh, Marshall Jr. and um, uh, Robbie Anderson, you know, you look at that, that's quite a scary attack almost. Um, and I, I don't think that's out of the realm of them getting six or seven wins. 
you know, I don't, I don't think that they're certainly not going to blow away. They're certainly not going to go, you know, 11 and six or 12 and uh, 12 and five, but I could certainly see them being in the conversation. But then again, also it could all, you know, collapse around them and it could be two and 15. I don't think it will be. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. No, I was just scared you were going to go above 500. Then I've got them. Uh, I've, I've got them in one of my requester bets this year as uh, <laughs> under seven and a half, I think it is. And I think that that's quite a safe bet, but people keep telling me I'm mad. No, I think go. I think it's like seven and ten. I think they'll be around there. I think uh, their defense is good enough, or, or they've certainly got players on defense to be good enough. Um, I think it's more the Saints' decline rather than the Panthers' rise. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. So uh, we come on to the final team, the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. Um, I, I just think that realistically. The, the Falcons seem to have developed a culture, which is why the coaching got switched out, whereby they would work on all cylinders for three quarters and then completely bottle a lead. And I think that sometimes, you know, you've got... It, it's difficult to say, but you do need to sometimes just get that stink out because it would definitely be a case of there is a, there is a mental block, there is something of which is stopping you from converting those into wins. You know, whether it's the yips, whether it's the fact that, um, you, you know, that things are still clouding over them. You know, it, it could go all the way back to the bloody Super Bowl for all, for all that we know. The one where they lost out to the Patriots, of which I still think is the best Super Bowl of all time. You'll uh, obviously um, rebuttal uh, with uh, your very own. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think that. Uh, coaching change was good, and it's, it's going to be a big year for Arthur Smith, the former Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, because he probably earned his gig. You know, he did a very good job of transforming that Titans offensive uh, offense into a powerhouse, and you know, it, it was probably time for him to get a head coaching gig. But I do think that the Falcons are that they're in a bit of transition; they're a rebuilding team. People are still going to expect results because of the players that they've still got. But I think that there's just too much to pick over for the next year or so. Um, no more Julio Jones. I think it's going to be a lot bigger than people anticipate. I know that they've got Calvin Ridley there. I know that they've just brought in Carl Pitts. So, you know, it's lively on that front, but they don't have a rushing game. Their defence is leaky and was barely addressed in the off-season. In fact, I think it was practically untouched in the off-season, which seems criminal. So I think that it's going to be a case of tempering expectations for the next year, maybe two. Understand that you're going through a bit of a minor rebuild um, and then move on from there. Um, there were a 4-12 and 12 last year. I think that that was not... That that wasn't in keeping with their play. I think they were much better than a four and twelve team. I think they were closer to a six and ten or a seven and nine than they were to a four and ten, four and twelve. But uh, I mean, yeah, still still difficult for them. On 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 that, if you look at that, like they ended their season with five consecutive losses, right? Yeah. Um, and apart from week 17, when they lost 44-27 to the Bucks, the other four losses, which were against the Saints, the Chargers, the Bucks, and the Chiefs, so certainly four, you know, you'd, you'd argue four pretty good teams. Yeah. Um, every single one of those losses was by either three or four points. Well, there so you go. 
all within one score. We all remember the week two game with the Cowboys with the onside kick and the 40 yep. to 39 game. You know, they let, they eventually lost that. Um, you know, they lost to the, they lost to the Bears 30, 26. So again, another, another one score game. Um, they lost to the Panthers 23, 16. So another one score game. They lost in week seven to the Lions 23, 22. So another, I remember one, that I had money on that one. And I lost quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, one pointer. So, you know, of their games, I think eight of them, maybe nine of their losses, eight of their losses were one score games, yeah. you know, and that's the sign of a team that can't close out a win. They cannot close out a win. And of those eight, if if just three or even half turn into wins, there's a 500 season straight away. Yeah. And a 500 season is perfectly respectable in the NFL. So, yeah, I think that last season was a lot of, you know, not being able to finish games. I cannot believe they lost that Dallas game. Like, I cannot believe they didn't win that. that was... Still to this day, you think Falcons and you think that game and you think, how? Yeah. yeah, how did you lose that game? You know, I remember the catch, was it Amari Cooper, the catch down the sideline to keep the game going? I think it was Cooper. Um, you know, they, I cannot believe they lost that game. Um, and, and I think that's what the Falcons are now. Like, you know, for the last sort of, maybe not in the last couple of years, but certainly, I mean, it's only, what, three years since they were in a Super Bowl? Yeah. Or four years since they were in a Super Bowl. Like, they, they're not, they're like, there's a lot of, I'd say a lot of parallels with Philadelphia. Like, they're that team that were, they were very recently very, very good. And now all of a sudden, the head coach is gone. A lot of the skill players have gone. And now you're left looking at it and thinking, well, they're still that team that when you th- when you say the Falcons, you think, oh, actually, yeah, do you know what? They're a, they're a good team. They're usually pretty good. They're not like a you know like a dumpster fire team, like a like a Jets or someone like that. You know, all yeah. respect to Jets fans, but you know <laughs> what course. I mean. Um, you think the Falcons are always like a strong team, but this year I just don't know where those wins are coming from. You know, they've they if you take Matt Ryan out of that team, they become I think a a three or four win max team. Yeah. I he definitely Ryan... elevates them and keeps them up there. Yeah. Um, but he, a lot is going to be on him to keep that train going, and I will touch on that in a minute. But uh, no, you're right. Um, realistically, they're a 500 team in a 4 and 12's clothing. But then they bought into the fact that they were a 4 and 12 team. You know, so coaching changes all went through, got rid of probably your star player, um, pretty much buying into the rebuild. At that yeah. point, you know, they, they seem like they are going through a bit of a transition. And, you know, that's why I can't see much. Like, like you say, you look at the roster now and you look at what's ahead and you kind of wonder where it is. And I think that that's really important when you consider the fact that, like you say, you know, them and the Eagles were in Super Bowls relatively recently and are now consigned to the idea of rebuilding. Super Bowl windows are supposed to be much bigger than that. And I think yeah. that part of it is, you know, part of it I, I'd almost diagnose as NFL media not fully grasping, you know, NFL media, if they see a 4-12 and 12 team, go, oh, terrible, you know, need to start doing this, need to start doing that, players should get out, etc., and blah, blah. And fans start buying into that and the negativity grows and players then see that and the negativity grows. Players want out, players won't won't accept contract extensions or whatever and they'll look to move out. It's not a desirable destination to go to, a bunch of bottlers, you know. So I think that I think that they are a result of a lot of happen circumstance, but 
now they're in it, they're in a bit of a hole. I don't see more than six and a half wins this year, and that's probably being generous. Yeah. And 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 the worst thing with Atlanta as well is we talk about the cap there. They've got seven million, seven point seven million dollars of spare cap space. I think they're like twenty third, twenty fourth on the list. And that was after space. getting rid so, of Julio Jones. Exactly. So they had to do that to free up some space, so they could, you know, they could uh, have a bit of breathing space. You know, the, the team they've got the least cap space, talking about cap space, is the Bucks. But that's because the Bucks won a Super Bowl and brought all their players back. Yeah, you know? uh, they are <laughs> they are doing everything possible just to keep that ticking. And why not? I mean, yeah, I think. Tom Brady to. just uh, offloaded a bunch of cash just to keep uh, keep keep the times rolling. People love it yeah. in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm I'm going down to Tampa for a game this season if Biden opens up the borders. Tampa yeah. versus Dolphins. That'll be a nice one to see, and I'll see as to what all the buzz is about. From all I can see, though, it's in the middle of a swamp right by the airport. So uh, <laughs> God only knows. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's round this out, shall we? The players, the players to watch uh, for the Falcons. I've got down as Calvin Ridley. Seems like a bit of a, a cop out, but when you've got a team that's not got a lot of stars, you need some to show out. Um, I think that he's got room to grow on what was a promising season last year. Um, I think that Kyle Pitts will definitely help him to get some more open look and pro- probably just uh, keep eyes elsewhere so that he can move around a bit more. Um, and I think he's going to get a lot more chances to get the ball, at least with Julio gone now. So uh, he can work in one or two ways, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he started 15 games last year, Calvin Ridley. He had um, 13-7-4 in his receiving yards. Um, obviously, Julio only, only had nine starts last year so he had some injury problems yeah. but if you look at um yards per game which is probably a bit more of a fair way to compare them uh calvin really had 91.6 but julio had 85.7 so he still was a, was a higher impact than julio last season in terms of yards per game um so you know that that is going to fall on his shoulders um but then julio's catch percentage was 75 percent, and calvin's was just Ridley's was just below 63 so he's gonna have to stamp out those drops if he's going to be the true number one um but yeah no I, I agree I think he's, he's, he the, the, the spotlight falls on him now be interesting to see how Kyle Pitts falls into that offense as well and I certainly think them two will be the main two guys to go to next season yeah uh and then on the hot seat this you know we've we've said this probably enough times tonight in that selecting someone for the hot seat in a team that's rebuilding is incredibly difficult but um i'm gonna go with matt ryan i know it's a bit of a cop out to pick the quarterback usually that's for the one to watch that's why i'm going to take this opportunity to uh to use it this time around simply because he's gonna have to ball out in order for this atlanta offense to get going there's no there's no running back room really so you have got to make the most of what you've got and what you've got is essentially ridley and pitts and then you got a couple of other guys that are respectable, but I don't think enough. So Ryan is going to have to have a really good season just to keep them hovering somewhere near five hundred next year. And if you look at if you look at Atlanta's schedule for next season, um, funnily enough, they start against Philadelphia in Atlanta. Funnily enough, um, and then they go to Tampa. But then after that, they've got the Giants, the football team, and then the Jets, and then they've got a bye week. So. You know, you take the Tampa game out of that. That's four teams that are very beatable in terms of sort of teams around them, I'd say. You know, not maybe Washington probably might be a loss nowadays, but I'd say the rest of those teams are certainly beatable. There's every chance that Atlanta could open three and two, maybe if they play well enough, four and one. 
but certainly three and two going into the bye week. And and then they come out uh, of the bye week against Miami and then against Carolina. So, you know, obviously divisional games are another beast, but this, they, they could certainly put themselves in a position to be, you know, in a, in a positive record going into the back half of the season. Um, but yeah, like you say, it, a lot of it just depends on Matt Ryan. And he's getting on now. Is he 36 now? I think he is. How many more years has he got left in him? Yeah, you'd you'd hope it's a few. I mean, considering considering that Brady is defying science and logic and the moon and stars and whatever, you'd probably think that he could at least hit hit forty. And he's still, you know, he's still more than a serviceable quarterback. You'd you'd, you'd put Matt Ryan into almost any team in the league, and you'd be quite happy with it. So, uh, yeah, he he just needs to he just needs to have a good season just to keep him on track. I think. Or unless you're thinking the other way around and you want a really good draft pick, then maybe you were just saying, "Not this year, Matt. Not this year. It's okay. <laughs> well, we'll still pay you." To finish, to finish on that as well, I think I've mentioned that I remember reading this and mentioning this before. Matt Ryan started in the NFL in 2008, age 23, for Atlanta and came straight in as their starting quarterback and started 16 games that season. Since 2008. So in his in his thirteen seasons in the NFL, I think it's been or, or twelve seasons in the NFL, he's missed three games, <laughs> three. Wow, that's, ast- that's that's astonishing. That's incredible for a starting quarterback. Um, he's he's never had any serious injuries. He's never really had any problem any time out, and that's in and that's a perfect situation for a team that's going through a rebuild, knowing that you've got a, a good, experienced, healthy, reliable quarterback. That's um, insane. That's what that's a games. hell of a statistic. He's missed three games. He missed two in his in his sophomore season in two thousand and nine, and then he missed one in twenty nineteen. I've One. I've missed more Browns games as a fan than he has missed Atlanta games yeah. as starting QB. That's he's a, wow. That's that's yeah. really something. It's incredible, um, isn't it? It's incredible yeah, to think I've, he's I've at that level of words. Incredible to think he's at that, that level of longevity in the league, and he's never had any sort of serious injuries or anything like that. And and he's he, you know what? Looking down at his figures, he's he's got close to five thousand yards a couple of times. Um, in 2016, they, he had 4,944. 2018, 4,924. So, you know, he's he's certainly knocking on the door. It's not just that he's starting every game and he's going 4-12 and 12 every season. Um, you know, I think he's a he's a quality, quality quarterback. And it's a shame that he's out, he's going to have to see out his probably his final years in a in the Falcons team that has become what it is. And it's going to be interesting to see how he how he does without his without his main man there anymore. Yeah. And that is why you bring Steve on the show, guys, because he comes out with the stats. I'm still flawed. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's finish off the uh, the NSC South then with just a general sort of prediction. So, what have you got win totals wise? Who do you think think wins the division? Who do you, where do you think they all end up playoff wise, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? I think let's get the obvious out of the way. I think uh, Tampa win the division. No, really? I think you sure. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think 12, maybe 13. I, I, that's the thing. Like, I don't think they're like a, you know, like a 15 and two team. I don't know. No, I don't know if they're not. One of those this year. They're not that, but I think they're definitely enough to win the, the NFC South quite easily. So I think they'll be, and I don't think their competition is going to be as hard this year. And obviously last year, they didn't actually even win the division, which, which feels weird. I think they, they must be one of the first wildcard teams to win a Super Bowl in a long time. Um, 
I usually I, go I, to you for that sort of stat. I remember that the last few seasons in the Super Bowl has been the one seed versus the either the one seed versus the two seed or something like that in each yeah. conference. So it's been I think it's been a long time since the since the wild card won a Super Bowl. It might have even been the Giants, I think, in twenty eleven. But I will that I'll check on does that. ring a bell. I'm trying to think of anyone before. I had the Eagles in my head, but no, you won the division, didn't you? No, they won. They won the division. Yeah, the the Super Bowl went through Philadelphia that year. That's um, right, yeah. Roger, Roger God, that Super Bowl, still anyway. feels weird to hear. <laughs> I know, tell me about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, Tampa wins the division, I think 12 wins probably. And then, uh, whilst I said earlier that I wouldn't be surprised if any of the other three sort of go in any order, I think it will still be New Orleans, but I think they'll be around the 500 mark. I think probably nine and eight. Yeah. I think I don't think they're they're the formidable opponent they were last year and years before. It's going to be weird for a while to not see New Orleans just win the NFC South. Yeah, because I know. they just they've they've been that dominant force for so long. For as long you as know, it's I like can when, remember. W- yeah, it's like when when Brady left uh, New England. They, it's weird to see a different team win the win the NFC East. It's the same with the South NFC South. I think it's going to be weird not to see New Orleans just at the top every every time. Um, and then I think. I actually think it, it. Apart from that, I think Carolina will finish in third, probably a similar five and twelve or six and eleven, and then Atlanta will, will bring up the basement. I think they're very much in a downward downward year, and I think they're they're not only are they heading into their rebuild, I think they're on the downward trend toward their rebuild. So you know okay. maybe four or five, but I think it, those last two could be interchangeable. Okay. I um I've gone a little differently, but towards the bottom end. So Tampa, I've got at thirteen and a half. Um, their schedule is actually a lot nicer than people think. Uh, being yeah. second in the vi- division really does help us as well. So they'll knock off a few where they probably shouldn't have had the chance. But uh, yeah, they they're not a fifteen team, but they could easily be a fourteen or a thirteen team. Uh, New Orleans around five hundred, like you say. I've got that down there as a dead on eight and a half. Then I've got Atlanta pipping Carolina. I don't buy into Matt Rule yet. I don't buy into okay. Matt Rule. I don't buy into Sam Darnold. I don't buy into quite a bit of Carolina at the moment. So I've got Atlanta at six and a half and Carolina at six. So it's I just very. Close, I think my but... reasoning is that is that Carolina's got more players and more tools that can get them out of things whereas atlanta if if matt ryan doesn't play well or if calvin ridley's not up to the challenge where else do their wins come from you know yeah i get if carl pitch doesn't translate into the nfl which obviously i think he will but if he doesn't or if he doesn't hit the ground running straight away or you know if if one of the key players get injured i I don't know where their wins come from and like you said that defense is leaky and if they keep giving up points like they did um you know i think that's where i give carolina the edge yeah, but Sam Darnold and crappy offensive lines, though. We've seen that before. It doesn't end well. True, true, yeah. And I guess if, if McCaffrey goes down again, you know, once a once a, uh, a running back's got injured once, you know, it's prone to happening again. So be a lot of eyes on him and what he can do. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think it's going to be a, a very intriguing conference, and I'll be interested to see those divisional games and, and how they how they come out at the end. We'll, do you think Tampa will go 6-0 divisionally? Yeah, they'll have New Orleans yes. number this time. I around. was go I was going to say that I think that what gives Tampa the edge on a higher win total this year is that I reckon they will do the sweep in the south, of yeah. which feels so weird to say. Because like I said, uh, I had gambled all of my reputation and everything on telling the misses that there's no way they'll beat the Saints. The Saints have their number every year, it'll all be good. 
And that day in January just just broke me in a sense. And I don't <laughs> think that the uh, the Saints will feel the same for a number of years now. I think that yeah. they are on different trajectories for quite a while. I don't think you'll see the Bucks taken up. I think they'll have a a Pats sort of um, sort of run for quite a few years where they're practically untouchable in the South. Yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah. Right, so that is the end of this NFC South rundown before the season gets kicked off. There's only a couple of weeks left. A couple of weeks? Three weeks? About three weeks until the season gets started. And what better way than getting our 2021 full 10 yards NFL season guide. I've got one in my hands right now. Steve's got his tucked away under his pillow ready for some nighttime reading. It's got pretty much everything you want. A review on the last season, team previews, opinions, Betting guide, rookie spotlights, fantasy projections. It's a good 404 pages in the hand, 416 on digital. You can get the digital guide for 399 if you use the coupon code YARDS. That's Y-A-R-D-S. Yes, I'm saying the plural because we've had some trying to use the singular. No, we are full 10 yards, folks, not the full 10 yard. Um yeah, just I got it in my hand last week after the printers got it over to us, and I can't believe how good it looks. It is not not to toot my own horn or anything, but uh, yeah, it is definitely the most stylish guide you'll pick up, and it's quite a nice, handy little, almost a, a bit like a travel guide, almost in the in the look and feel. It's uh, definitely one that you could just break out on the, at the pub during the Sunday kickoffs and uh, give yourself a a quick going over as to who's playing who, and then you can be the uh, toast of your table as you talk about who uh, who is going up against whom and who doesn't want that after a few beers. Right, that is Steve and me for this time round. In a few days' time, you'll also get our AFC South, where we'll be uh, running down through the AFC South previews. Until then, have a pleasant day and see you then. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.